Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here this morning. Um, Marvin, do you mind just opening us in a quick prayer for the message? Heavenly Father, a privilege to come to you, a privilege to have your word open our hearts to receive and inspire your words to our hearts. Give Brother Robert uh, clarity of thought. Let him be as your lips to speak forth your truth. We thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So I had a message that I was working on for a few weeks, and as I sat down yesterday to put the final touches on it, I realized it was a lot more than could be brought in one message um, to do it any sort of justice, and I've certainly done that in the past, um, brought messages that were really more than one message worth, and it results in a probably a hard-to-follow train of thought, and so I decided not to do that this Sunday, and I... I uh, asked the Lord for something else, and in a very short period of time, I, I had something else, and I'm thankful for that. And um, so what he laid on my heart um, is, uh, the title of my, of my message is Resentment and God's People. Um, resentment is one of those things that um, creeps in so easily on us, and um, it comes from an old French word. Uh, resenter, uh, that literally means intense feeling. Um, and in English, you know, the root of that is resent, and it refers to feelings of bitterness and indignation due to injustice or insult. Um, there's a lot of different reasons that we may feel resentment as human beings. Uh, we may feel resentful um, because maybe we got cheated or maybe we feel like we were wronged, or we were stolen from, or we were lied to. Um, those are some things that can bring about resentment. Uh, resentment's often a reaction to being insulted, or having one's errors or weaknesses exposed. That can be some other results or uh, things that bring about resentment. Um, resentments can be directed uh, at an action or a statement, or a person. Um, often they can be directed toward authority figures, uh, such as a parent, a teacher, or God, but they can also be directed to our peers, or to our children, for those of us who are parents. Or some other person, it doesn't necessarily have to be a person in authority. Um, one thing about resentment to be aware of is resentment is one of the cheapest and least legitimate forms of anger. It is all emotion and no strength. So I think that's important to understand. And one thing about resentment, um, speaking from personal experience, is it can creep in so subtly and quickly into our lives, and before we know it, we're wrapped up in this resentment, and it's the sort of thing where if we give it a little bit, it just keeps taking, right? It just keeps taking and consuming us until we either take it to the cross or it takes us down. Um, resentment can be sparked by perceived unfair treatment by an another person, like I didn't get the promotion that I deserved, or I didn't get the recognition that I deserved, or 
Um, I was treated unfairly in a situation. <clears throat> Either way, resentment stems from a love of things of the world and a lack of faith in God and the plan that he has for us. <clears throat> it is legitimate to recognize unfair treatment. So I want that to be heard as well. It is legitimate to recognize unfair treatment. And we can even go do something about that unfair treatment. Um, it doesn't mean we can't go do something about something that uh, is wrong. Um, it is not helpful, however, to wallow in feelings of self-righteous anger when we have been wronged. That would be an incorrect response to being wronged. The Bible is not so much concerned with the honor of human pride um, as it is about our hearts. An intense emotional response to an otherwise harmless insult may show a lack of spiritual maturity as well as a love of self. Matthew 5, verses 38 and 39, Ye have heard it, that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn him the other also. Um, I have a fair amount of scripture today. I don't know that I will read it all, um, but I don't expect you to turn to it. It's a lot of one or two or three verses in a row. We'll kind of see how our time holds out. Another situation that can foster resentment is when we are dishonored because of a personal sin that we have partaken in. Being accused of a failing we're innocent of is an injustice, but being accused of a sin we are guilty of can bring overwhelming shame as well as denial in our lives. Sometimes the only way God can draw our attention to our sin is to expose our faults in public, and that can be a really painful thing to go through. We may dislike what God is speaking into our lives, but going into resentment isn't going to help that. Uh, instead, when our sin has found us out, and I was drawn to Numbers 32, 23, and there's a lot of context before the, this verse. I realize that, but what I'm really looking at is the last part of this verse. 23 here says, But if ye will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. So the result of our sin um, will one day, it'll be uncovered in some fashion. So it's vital to admit when we're wrong, and human pride is nothing compared to the true honor that we receive when he sanctifies us, or we allow God to sanctify us. Thessalonians, or 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So resentment is a passive, weak emotion that has no place in Christian life. Um, if there is an injustice, <clears throat> we should be dealing with that through prayer and godly action. If there is an insult, we should concentrate on who we are in Christ and not place too much value on the cruel words of others. If we face injustice in the course of our work for God, we should accept it as to be expected. And if God allows us to be dishonored for the sake of, for the sake of our sanctification, the best, least painful response is to repent and allow him to do a work within us.
So I'm going into um, some scriptures that I have here. And I actually took a little bit of a, a departure from our normal way of doing things. I have these in the ESV instead of the King James. Um, hopefully you'll forgive me for that today, but I felt like it encapsulated some of these uh, a little clearer. Um, so um, I'll go through them faster than you can probably turn to them. So if you just like to sit and listen, that would be all right. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Mark 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. One thing that I've often thought about um, is I can be so quick to point out the difference between me and a fellow brother or sister or person, but that difference, that spread is so much less than the spread between me and God, right? But he still chooses to include me in his family if I'm willing to do that. Um, he still chooses to forgive me. And that spread is way more vast than the spread between me and anybody else. <clears throat> um, but yet I'll stand there and I'll feel like I'll, I'll point, right? If somebody's wronged me, I'll point and I'll say, you know, this is what happens. Or I'll, uh, I'll blame others if they act or they stand against my sin, right? It's just what we as humans tend to do naturally. Um, we're so imperfect in our humanity and we want God to accept us in that but yet we're unwilling to accept others in their humanity. And we, we go into resentment and bitterness and anger towards that person. We can start to foster those things. Um, it makes me, makes me think of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. Uh, I won't go read that, but you know there was a debt that was forgiven by the servant's Lord. And then he went and he... Um, made his fellow servant hold the line for the debt that was owed him. Right? He didn't carry that through, so I think it's a, a good example of that to me. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So talking about being conformed to this world, it just it highlights for me you know, the world is so full of a train of thought of, you know, hold a resentment, hold a grudge, uh, be angry. You're justified in that because of X, Y, Z. That's the world's way of thinking. That's not God's way of thinking. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Judge not, and you will be not judged. Condemn not, and you will be not condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. James 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The power of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 1 Peter 2, verse 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges just, justly. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, it's so easy for me 
to stand in a position and say, well, that person fell short in the way that they treated me or what they did. Um, and I forget that I fall short and God can sit here and point at me because there's not a day that passes that I don't fall short of what I could have been uh, living for him. And I've often found that the biggest ruckus um, generally comes from those that have more culpability in a situation than they're willing to admit. Um, it's often been a um, preliminary uh, identifier for me when I find myself in these situations or observing something. I find that self rises up and I want to place blame in situations that I really hold the fault in or part of the fault in, yet not wanting to own them, I do my best to make enough noise to distract people from the real problem, which is me. John 10, verse 10, the thief comes, to only, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I had a really good conversation with a brother yesterday for a couple hours, um, kind of impromptu yesterday afternoon, and we got talking about this conversation um, about Satan being the great deceiver and how the Bible calls him the great de deceiver. Um, and that he does come to steal and kill and destroy. And so the things, we kind of got into that in our Sunday school lesson just a little bit toward the end, but the things that um, my flesh wants to go do are generally because the great deceiver, Satan, is urging me in that way or would like me to go in that way. So he appeals to our flesh. Colossians 3, verse 8, But now you must put away... You must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So <clears throat> when we begin to allow resentment into our life, what we're doing is we're literally giving opportunity to the devil to begin to foster this and to grow this and to build this into something that ultimately is detrimental to ourselves. Um, so we begin to give him footholds into our life and into our walk <clears throat> by not um, repenting of this, asking for forgiveness or whatever steps we might need to do in that given situation uh, to be living rightly and justly. Ephesians 4, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. <clears throat> Hebrews verses, uh, chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Colossians 3, verse 13, Bearing with one another, and if one has complained against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Proverbs 10, verse 12, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, But if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your, will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, John three, sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So, you know, God did not have to send his son down here. He could have stood in resentment at Adam's mistake, at the fall of man. He could stand in resentment about the mistakes that we make. But he loved us with enough love to give us a way through that, a way out of that, <clears throat> to allow us to have that choice of, of eternal salvation. Philippians 4, verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Psalms 37, verse 8, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. James 3, verse 14, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Luke 17, verse 4, If he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Acts 8, verse 23, For I see that you are in the gulf bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. Um, it's so easy for us to sit and point to others and say, you are in this, or you are in that, or you're doing this, or you're doing that, or you did that to me. Um, it's a lot harder to stand and say, what have I done? Where is my responsibility? Where is my fault? <clears throat> it's a lot easier to live and to stand in reaction to things than to be curious about it and be able to say, where do I fit in this? What is my responsibility in this? James 1, verse 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Romans 12, 21. Do not, over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So how quickly do I want to just repay evil when somebody does something to me? Boy, you know, I just start, you know, building that story in my head. Well, they did this, so I'm going to do this, and that'll teach them. You know, how quickly do I go and I do that? First Chronicles 16, verse 11. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. I think that's a really important aspect of it, is to continually seek the presence of the Lord, to continually seek what He would have us to do, and to... Uh, 
um, just desire what he would desire for us. Resentment and bitterness are two sides of the same coin. Resentment is the attitude that we have towards someone or something, and bitterness is the accompanying inner feeling that comes with that. Resentment is a negative reaction to the events that we see as unfair, and left unchecked, continued resentment will change someone's nature into bitterness. Resentment and bitterness are both passive-aggressive actions to anger. <clears throat> resentment is not a new idea. Um, as close as I can tell, it starts all the way back in Genesis 4. Um, when Cain was angry that God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not his own. That's the first that I see uh, resentment. So instead of actively dealing with those things by admitting his part in the situation and considering God's point of view, he buried his anger under feelings of resentment, which grew and grew and grew until he finally killed his brother. <clears throat> Another good example of bitterness that we see in the Bible, we just went through this in Sunday school, is Job's wife. Uh, anger would be an understandable reaction to the things that she went through. Her children died, family wealth, their assets were taken, destroyed. But instead of accepting God's sovereignty, like Job, or even being honest about her feelings and talking it through with God, she allowed anger to lead to resentment, which molded her character into bitterness. And the apex of this occurred when she told Job, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Um, I think she was living in a resentful, bitter attitude. <clears throat> Bitterness is a really easy trap to fall into, but it is something that we can come out of. Um, I think we have an example of this in Ruth. Um, having lost her husband and her two sons, Naomi tells her daughter-in-laws to call her Mara, which means bitter, saying, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. However, the devotion of Ruth was able to redirect Naomi's anger to action, and God was able to restore Naomi and redeemed her story as she became a nurse to Ruth's son, who was the grandfather of King David. So we see things can come out of that um, if we allow it. We can be redeemed from those attitudes and that, and that character. Um, In Ephesians 4.31, the Bible tells us to reject a bitterness. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. I read that further up there. And Hebrews 12.15 says, see, it to, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it many will be defiled. I think it is a trap um, that many are caught in in today's world. Um, <clears throat> then also James 3 verses 13 through 18 who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom but if you have a bitter envying, envying and strife in your hearts glory not and lie not against the truth this wisdom descendeth not from above but is earthly, sensual, devilish for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. 
But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The most effective way to deal with resentment and bitterness is to appropriately handle the anger that comes first. Forgiveness is the only way to go deal with the anger that we have towards someone. We have to be able to step into forgiveness toward them. Anger is a natural and sometimes psychological reaction um, and a response, but left unchecked, it can do a lot of damage to who we are. Um, It's a very detrimental emotion. It can blind us to our part in the situation, and it can push out all empathy and understanding for others, and all we see is ourself and how we were wronged. Even when our anger is just, and we feel like it's justified, we must not let it control our actions or our belief, taking our thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and submitting to God. I think this gives us a picture of how we're given a path to find freedom from what holds us in anger and bitterness and resentment. James 4, verses 7 and 8, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I think this drives us to forgive others if we take these verses very seriously. Colossians 3, verse 13, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. This can help me understand how to keep my anger from turning into resentment. Ultimately, God is able and willing to heal us of our resentment and our bitterness, but we have to allow him to do that. We have to make that decision to allow him in to do that. He can heal our hearts, and he can turn us to forgiveness in others and trust in him. The thing about forgiveness is it's something that we have to keep doing sometimes. We don't just get to say, well, I forgive you, and it's done. Sometimes those feelings come back up. Sometimes we see them on the street again, and those feelings rise again, and we have to make that choice once again to forgive. So it it can be a continual, ongoing thing that we have to live in, is continuing to forgive someone. Um, And sometimes I've found that, you know, those feelings can be down for a long time, and we don't even realize that they're there, and something triggers it. We may not even know what triggers it, and right back up they come, and we have to make that decision once again to step into forgiveness toward that, that person. So in closing here, I have a couple paragraphs that I ran across in my studies from the Mayo Clinic, which I thought was interesting. They had a really fascinating article about it. Um, And I just pulled out a couple paragraphs um, about the Mayo Clinic's perception, uh, perspective of forgiveness. What is forgiveness? 
Forgiveness means different things to different people, but in general, it involves an intentional decision to let go of resentment and anger. The act that hurt or offended you might always be with you, but working on forgiveness can lessen that act's grip on you. It can help free you from the control of the person who harmed you. Sometimes forgiveness might even lead to feelings of understanding, empathy, and compassion for the one who hurt you. What are the benefits of forgiving someone? Letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for improved health and peace of mind. Forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, fewer symptoms of depression, lower blood pressure, stronger immune system, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem. And what are the effects of holding a grudge? If you struggle with finding forgiveness, you might, be, you might bring anger and bitterness into new relationships and experiences, become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy and live in the present, become depressed, irritable, or anxious, feel at odds with your spiritual beliefs, lose valuable and enriching connections with others. Obviously, this is the Mayo Clinic's perspective on this, but I thought it was really good um, of just some of the things that they feel like can be a symptom of living in unforgiveness from a medical standpoint, right? So, you know, how much greater is the detriment from an eternal standpoint? You know, physical, um, relational, earthly things aside, how much greater is the detriment of living in unforgiveness here on earth in our, our relationship with God? May the Lord bless you.